as a messenger from the Lord, I, I, I think I'm speaking, you know, on his behalf that he loves it as well, that we would join together as one. That is so amazing. It is, um, it is no feat when, when uh, people of a homogenous group uh, can get along, but when you are uh, so uh, diverse and still love each other, I think that is commendable before God. Amen. I was thinking, amen. <clears throat> I was thinking as our sister Jadida was reading as she read so beautifully, and, and uh, she was reading, you know, I, I write, but she reads. And she, I mean, she writes as well, but she reads so ex extraordinarily well. I just wanted her to, to read those bulletin articles because I think I've found out a lot of us don't read them. And uh, so we thought we would just uh, read them for you. So we, uh, that's what we've been doing. So we're reading them for you. you know, sometimes it takes uh, uh, maybe three hours to write a bulletin article. It, it might sometimes take more. It all depends on how the Holy Spirit is working with you. And, uh, and then I, I sent it off to my editor, uh, Sister Jadida, and uh, we edit them. And then we, we, we looked at those to make sure that all the commas in the right places uh, and those kinds of things. But uh, she said something uh, as she was reading. I was thinking about uh, my young life when I was in my 20s and heard the voice of God uh, saying that he would like a place where all of his children uh, could worship him together. And, uh, and being a, just a young person I was, I said, I would do it, but I don't know how. And I never shall forget the words he said, love everyone who comes through your doors. And I was thinking as she was reading, if we will just yield ourselves to the Lord, we will have no problems, no issues with loving each other. It, it doesn't matter sort of where you go. It's like your own kids. Your kids might just irritate you to no end. Sometimes you may feel like knocking them in the next week. You don't do it, you know, but, you, you know, they just irritate you and, uh, or, or just astound you in some way, but you always love them. And uh, that's what I know. I, I remember my mom and dad always loved me. I knew my mom would fight tigers and lions off me. I knew it. I mean, no, no issue, no problem. And so that's the kind of love that, that comes from God. It's not love that is in this world. God has to give you that kind of love. God has to give you that kind of love because otherwise we love you as long as you're doing the right thing. But when you do the wrong thing, we don't love you anymore. And that's just not so good. Now, uh, Paul talks about this in, uh, I just want to say this, this is not my, where I'm going to start really uh, tonight, the, uh, the, the specific message. I love your neighbor part two is what I'm going to, I'm going to be doing in just a second. But Paul said that, that uh, all of the commandments of God are summed up in this saying. He said, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, it's very interesting. Paul did not say, uh, you shall love God. But he says, because once you can't love your neighbor without loving God, if you love God properly, then you will love your neighbor. It's, it falls out of that. It flows out of that. And so I, I think the Holy Spirit is saying something to us, the church, because this is a, a defining moment for the church. This is a defining moment for the church. We are on reset in that we have not gotten things so right 
And I don't say that as a beat down or negative to hurt anybody, but we have just not. And if someone says, well, I disagree with you, Pastor, I would say disagree on, but not here. You know, disagree out, out there somewhere where nobody can hear you because the reality is we have not gotten these things right. And, and God is giving us a time to do that. I, I've, I heard from the Holy Spirit that this is a time of revealing. Now, you might ask, well, why not exposing? Maybe God is doing an expose here, but God is not doing that. It, it is, he is revealing who belongs to him and who does not. That's what I am seeing so clearly, starkly clear, that he is showing us who belongs to him. And you can examine yourself to say, wow, that is an attitude uh, that is not kingdom. It is not of the kingdom of God. Well, that is an attitude that's not heavenly because all the people who will uh, gain entrance into heaven are loving people. There are people who love God and people who have loved their neighbor with all of their heart, with all of their soul, with all of their mind, with all of their strength. These are the people who will populate heaven. Heaven is a place where the loving will live forever. Uh, the scripture teaches us that, that there, are, there are three things that last out of all that we do, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And so when the Bible says that the greatest of these is love, what it means is that faith will have brought us to our blessed hope. And the only thing left in all eternity will be an expression of the love that God is. It is amazing to me as I think about the fact that I am human, I have love, but God is love. I mean, it's just when you think about those things, just ponder them a little bit, that we're going to be in the presence of eternal love. We don't have a, a good idea of what that looks like, but a few weeks ago now, maybe, maybe six weeks now, it may be that long, I don't remember, but a, a just short while ago, the Lord gave me a glimpse. You know, sometimes you have a glimpse of something and you see something that's heavenly, or something that's otherworldly, and you go, what is that? What was that? And I had this glimpse that we were in heaven, that, and we were so complete that we had n there's nothing on the earth that can express heaven accurately. They, they give you a, it's something like this. It's kind of like that. But to know that heaven ha uh, will be populated by people who have, if I may say, extreme joy. There's never been a joyous moment on the earth like the extreme joy that God has for you. I think that he can't give it to you right now because you would disintegrate. Yeah, you would, I believe, totally disintegrate. You know, you're gone. And the peace is inexpressible. The peace, and the wholeness of God. So God has great things for us. Things that, that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, neither have these things entered into the heart of man. Uh, you know, but, but you and I know them by the Spirit, but we have like an inkling by the Spirit. 
So when God commands us to love him, he's not some needy being up here in heaven saying, I need you all to love me. I've heard it said, and as a young boy, I know some of you young people might say, when I say something, you, you say, I disagree with that. You might do that. That's okay. You'll get over it. I am not infallible, though. I promise you, I am not infallible. And I have come before this congregation and said, I am sorry that I said such and such. I have done that because I want you to always hear the truth. But I remember hearing people say things like, uh, God needs you to praise him. So praise God. He needs you to praise him. And I would think, no, no, we need to praise him. Because that's how, why we were created, and that is, uh, for which we have been created. Therefore, we need to, in order to maintain wholeness, to be in the proper position that we should be in. And the amazing thing about the love of God is that we don't have to muster up love somehow, like as it were, using this terrible word, to conjure it up, you know, to work it, it up. Yeah, we don't have to do that because we are born of love. Yeah, we, we are born of the love of God. And so we need to use what God has given us. Love your neighbor, part two. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. That's Luke 12, 48. And so the, the scripture says that uh, if, if you have received much, then God expects much. You and I have received not an angel. We have not received uh, anything less than God himself. When Jesus came into our hearts, we receive God. Therefore, God has equipped us. He's made us able to do everything he commands. It, uh, the, the question is, are you willing? The Lord has given us so much, and it is time that it be revealed. It is time that what God has given the church be revealed. Um, before I make the next statement, I would like to share something with you. I've only shared it with a couple of people. But last Sunday morning, I had been in spiritual warfare all night. Excuse me. I'd been in spiritual warfare all night. And, and it was just fierce spiritual warfare. The enemy was coming just powerfully with all kinds of of accusations, just one after the other and after the other, and I was fighting all night. And it was like, I wasn't knocked out, I wasn't knocked down, but I was pummeled pretty well. You know, I mean, you've seen uh, boxing matches or this UFC, I think. Uh, you've seen some guy didn't fall down, but he got pummeled really well, and I was pummeled really well. I'd been in a night, an all-night warfare, and I sat up on the foot of my bed, and I was thinking, how can I preach after going through such warfare? And suddenly, supernaturally, God did something for me. Supernaturally, it, it was vanquished. And I said, what in the world? I, I thought, what? There was no vestige of the enemy's attempt to uh, distract or destroy, absolutely gone. And I said, I want this often. I want this more often. And so, amen. So, this is available for the church. So I, I want you to understand, 
this amazing love, this amazing power is available to you. All you have to do and all I have to do is to say yes to the Lord. When the Lord puts someone in your path that is very difficult to deal with, you have to say yes to the Lord. And, when, and every time you say yes, the enemy's ability to distract, hurt, or harm you is lessened. Sometimes we, when we grow and we grow and we feel like, boy, this is just like it's always been. I've heard believers say things like, I didn't have this many problems when I was in the world. I thought, what? Okay, you know, what? Yes, you did. You, you had worse problems. You're on your way to hell, if I may say that. Yeah. You know, I learned in, I learned in university that you can get away with a lot of strong words like hell uh, if you use them properly and academically. I used it spiritually. Let's look at reset and revealing. Not expo exposing, but reset and revealing. There, there, there is a prophetic time when the people of God would be revealed. The, Paul tells us that, that, that creation is groaning and yearning for the sons of God to be revealed. Now, if you are a son, you should be excited about being revealed. Now, we're not going to fully be revealed until the resurrection. But when the resurrection comes, you know, and those who see us going up, they're going to say, oh, no, they weren't lying to me but it'll be too late for them. In Luke 10, 25, um, this is what we call the parable of the Good Samaritan, uh, or I, I, re, I dubbed it parable of the good neighbor. Parable of the good neighbor. Let me read through it for you. In verse 25, the scripture reads, and behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, the lawyer was testing him or in, in some manner trying to tempt him uh, and, and, and uh, throw him off, right? And so he says, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? So Jesus took him back to the law. What is written in the law? And why would he take him to the law? He took him to the law because that's where you and I realize that we don't have what it takes to do what God wants. When you look at the law, you realize, I can't do this stuff. I, I remember that as a young pastor, trying to do everything that God commanded. And one day I looked up to the Lord and I said, I can't do this stuff. If you want it done, you're going to have to do it yourself. I was not being impudent with the Lord. I was saying, I have tried all of my life to serve you and to do what you want, and I have failed miserably. Oh, yes, I would do it very well for a week or two or, or maybe a month or two, and suddenly I'd fall right on my face. Now, you may have had a different experience. But as the King James would say, I wot not. But, but what you find here, Jesus takes him to the law. He says, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? How do you take it? How do you understand it? So he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And so he goes to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, and he says, this is what it says, that you have to do this. 
And Jesus said to him, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. Do this and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus. Now, he wanted to justify himself because he knew he was not doing it. And he, so he wanted to justify himself and make sure that he could so fix the word of God that he could determine who his neighbor was. And we're like that. When God gives us a command, we oftentimes want to fix it so that we can fulfill it. You and I are living in one of the most complex times of my 73 years of life. We are living in one of the most complex times. It is one of the craziest times I've ever experienced. When, when Pastor Charles and I used to travel around the world preaching the gospel, uh, we would come back to our nation, and we would always say, man, let's kiss the ground. Let's kiss the ground. And uh, I remember once we landed in Chicago, and we thought, let's wait. <laughs> but this man wanted to justify himself, and you and I, we, we know brothers and sisters, and we may even ourselves, try to justify ourselves as to whether or not we're doing what God commands. We say, yes, but. I've heard believers do that. Yes, but. But, but hey, I'm not going to sit idle. Yes. No, no. Wait on the Lord. I grew up in a church culture that said, wait on the Lord. We were always saying, wait on the Lord. And if you say something to one of the older persons, they would say, wait on the Lord, baby. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Wait on him. He will, he will come. He may not come when you want him, child, but he will come. He'll be there. Don't you worry. They would always say that. And that's my experience with the Lord. You can love God with all of your heart, and you can love your neighbor because you are filled with God. Amen. Yes. Yes, you are born of God. You have the Holy Spirit. Therefore, you have the ability. Then he says, but he wanted to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Yeah, he thought he was slick. Those guys thought they were really smart, but Jesus was woof, amazing. He was amazing. When you read the Scripture, read the New Testament, you, you, you see the wisdom of, of God in Christ, and you've got to say something. I mean, if you don't say something, something's wrong with your something, you know? Say something. You know, like the preacher was preaching once, and he was preaching really good, and everybody was quiet, but sometimes we're quiet. We're really receiving and, and really internalizing. But, but in the church that I grew up in, if you were quiet, you just didn't have the Holy Ghost, you know. <laughs> and so, 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 so the preacher would shout out, somebody say something for the Lord, right? So, so let me just say, I don't want you to do that artificially at all. But, but... But here he says, Jesus said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Leaving him half dead. Some of us have been pummeled pretty good by this world system. You know, you, you have emotional upheavals. You're still trying to get well. Been in the house of God. You, I'm, I'm telling you, you're not going to try to get well because God is coming with great power and authority to heal us, to heal us from all those ravages of the world system. The world system cannot cure its illness. It's going to take us being the church. When our sister was reading earlier, 
I, I had to, I fought back the tears where some got through. But I was thinking about the love of God. And you and I are to be on display as those who are recipients and carriers of the love of God. I don't agree with everything that's going on in our nation, but I don't take a bullhorn and act crazy. You know, you know that the, the internet is producing and revealing many false prophets. And some of us, not necessarily here, but some of us are going after false prophets. And some of us are false voices. And some of us don't realize it, but we have views antithetical to God. We have to be careful and just believe in the scriptures and ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Amen. Now, after they did this to this man leaving Jerusalem, verse 31 says, Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. The priest, can you imagine the pastor doing that? The pastor went by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. Ooh, the deacons. You know, doing the same thing that the pastor did, the priest and the Levite. He says, you know, they passed by on the other side. Maybe they didn't want to get involved. Have you ever seen something going on and go, I don't want to get involved? You know you have. You don't want to admit it here, but you can. I've, I've done that before. Uh, you know, there's something that I saw a number of years ago when my wife and I first got married. I saw something, and I did not want to get involved. I thought, if I get involved in this terrible situation, and I'm not telling you to run headlong in every bad situation. You know, that's where we have officers <laughs> Called them, called the police. Yes, but but I am saying that there are some things you can make better if you just got involved. And in this case, perhaps they said, "I don't want to get involved." Is that your problem? But this scripture says in verse 33, "But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, where that wounded man was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He had compassion." He had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, to like a hotel, and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, two days' wages, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend when I come again, I will repay you. So Jesus asked, so which of these three do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among thieves? Who, who was a neighbor? And he said, the lawyer said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. I, I just want to just end with this thought. You know, in this case, in this case, the religious establishment failed. The establishment. The priest and the Levite. The priests were the sons of Aaron, the, the descendants of Aaron. The Levites were the descendants of Levi. They were the same tribe, and they were in charge of the things of God, the tabernacle, the worship, and all of that. And you and I are somewhat like that. I, I, would, I would say, don't let, and this has been a concern of mine for a long time since I became a pastor, 
don't let these people who have been heathen all of their lives show more compassion than you. That's been a concern all of my life. I have vowed I will love my neighbor. My neighbor doesn't have to look like me. They don't have to think like me. They don't even have to vote like me. But I love my neighbor. I love each of you. I love each of you sometimes to tears. I'm not saying I'm the template, but I am saying that it's possible that we can love each other with a God kind of love and let God work out the other things. Let God work them out. Jesus said, he who showed mercy. I'm going to ask you, this Samaritan was, was a, an outcast. He was not even considered uh, someone that, that a Jewish person would keep company with. They Jewish people leaving the Galilee didn't, they, didn't like to even travel through Samaria. They had an alternative, uh, an alternate route. route. And they, they were walking because they didn't want to go by those Samaritan dogs, low-class, low-life people. But it was one of them that did what they refused to do. And so my heart is that there would never be a sinner who would give God something I refuse to give God. Brothers and sisters, I'm imploring you that this is the hour that the, that the sons of God are being revealed. I'm imploring you to be those sons of God, be those, those inheritors of God, be those who will do the Father's will. If it hurts, yes, but even if it costs your life. And I'm going to leave with this, and then I'll come back a little bit later. When, when uh, Reverend Stan Mack and I were going to, to uh, Vietnam, we were going to Vietnam, and we were both praying quite a bit as to wh whether we should go because Vietnam was close to uh, uh, Wuhan, much closer than we are, China. And we didn't want to go foolishly and, you know, with some kind of uh, manufactured boldness. We kept praying and kept praying. And I would think, God says yes. Then I would think, God says no. God says yes. And God says no. And then one day, we both, about the same time, recognized that it was, it was time because God spoke to me on, that, on a Monday night. And he said, he said to me, coronavirus is going to cover the United States. And, and I knew, he didn't say go to, go to Vietnam, but he said it's going to cover the U.S. And so with that in mind, I knew what he was saying. You, you're, if you're in my will, you're going to be fine there or here. But if you're here outside my will, what you are seeking to escape is going to catch you. I believe that's what God was saying. So we decided to go. And we had no issue no issue in, in Vietnam. We ministered powerfully for two days. It was amazing. We did more ministry in two days than, than most people do in a week or more. It was amazing how God did that and it sustained us, gave us great strength. But let me share, share this with you. I came back and, and as careful as I am, hand washing, sanitizer, mask, I contracted coronavirus, but God was with me. I would rather live in his will and die in his will. Than to ask for protection outside his will. Amen. Amen. There's no protection outside his will. 